When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He's beaten the best of all time. He's beaten a man who is virtually invincible on this court. You know, it's a dream come true for me. Uh, as I said uh, before, uh, of course, it's, it's great to win, you know, but uh, even if I uh, would have lost, uh, you know, I would be uh, really proud of myself, you know, in this amazing run, you know, making uh, history in this beautiful uh, tournament, you know, playing a final against a legend of all sports. For me, uh, it's it's incredible, you know, uh, as I said, it's a dream to reach, you know, this uh, kind of situations really fast. Uh, I'm really, really proud of my... <laughs> Yes, a new king in men's tennis, we think. Talking to Brett Phillips from the First Serve, SEN Tennis and AFL Nation. Brett, welcome to the show. Tell us the implications of Carlos Alcaraz's wonderful, epic five-set win over Novak Djokovic in the Wimbledon final overnight. Yeah, I think, Mark, uh, good morning. I think for anyone who just has heard that raw from uh, centre court for the first time, it was uh, it was something else. And you know, this is a this is a matchup that we have wanted to see more and more of. As Carlos over the last twelve months has really announced himself as the world number one, and and Novak obviously still at the peak of his powers, chasing all sorts of records. And you know, when Carlos won the U.S. Open last year, Novak didn't play. Novak wins the Australian Open. Carlos didn't play. We didn't get the full compliment at the French because Carlos got the cramps in the semi-final and was out on his feet in sets uh, three and four. So coming into Wimbledon, we wanted to see this matchup, and it didn't disappoint. I mean, just shy of uh, five hours. In fact, there was a there was a at the end of the first set there was a sort of a, just a murmur in the crowd today, Mark. Of okay, the inevitable is going to happen. The king six one. He's put a stake in the ground. It's going to go Djokovic's way. We know the pattern. We've been here and done it before. But as he did at the French Open, Alcaraz dug in. And he's such an intelligent young guy. You know, he can problem solve. He can figure things out. And he's got this will to win, this will to compete. And uh, he got himself back in the match. And, you know, he was he was close to being two sets to love down. He saved a couple of set points. And once he got things all equal, Crab was in his corner. The, you know the calls of Carlos around uh, centre court. They wanted the under, they wanted the underdog to win. And I mean, set number three was fascinating because if you're just looking on paper, it looks one-sided. Uh, but the games went forever. I mean, there was one game that went 26 minutes in that third set. But I think we were up to about 13 juices. Uh, and Carlos goes two sets to one. Uh, he's in the box seat, but we expected a response from Djokovic. 
he wasn't going to lie down. He takes the four, six games to three. You're thinking, well, at that stage, you know, draw a line in the sand. Who knows uh, who's going to win this match? And then as the fifth set sort of unfolded, you could see Carlos was sort of running on top of the ground. Novak was looking just a little weary. Uh, but, you know, this is the thing. This is, we always thought going in, if... If Alcaraz could play the big points well and beat Djokovic, what Djokovic beats everyone else at, in grinding you and just been able to execute in accounts, then he could possibly win the match. And he just stood tall uh, right to the end, uh, Alcaraz. He, um, he can play any shot in the book. You know, he's dynamic. And he does it with a smile on his face the whole way through. It's incredible. He loves tennis, this kid, and he's just born for the big stages. You know, Mark, we've been following him since he was 14 years of age. That's, that's when he was first alerted to my attention, and you watched uh, him at the lower tiers, ITF, challenger level. Juan Carlos Ferrero, former world number one, takes control of him as a 15-year-old, knocked back a few other offers and said, no, I've got a beauty here. This young kid from Spain, I'm going to stick with him. He's been like a father figure, mentor, you know, just uh, just a brilliant level of tennis, but it's also off the court. He does everything perfectly. The way he embraces fans, uh, the media, uh, he's just so savvy. I mean, the maturity, it, it just blows my mind. I mean, the, we're coming off an era of three champions being replaced by a champion who's going to be with us at the top, I think, for the next, you know, 15-odd years. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? What does it mean for for Djokovic, um, Brett? Is this the is this the beginning of the end, or are we even further along than that? Because, because what we saw with Federer and Nadal is that once it got him, it got him. And um, do you think Djokovic's got that twenty fourth Grand Slam title in him, or do you think it's going to be tough from here? No, I think he's certainly got more to give, and. I mean, as long as the body stays intact. Now, who knows? I mean, as, you, as you've just mentioned, I mean, you know, Roger got to that stage where the body just broke down. He couldn't get back. You know, Rafa's in that position at the moment. Going to do everything he can to try and get back, but it, it appears like it's against the odds from Nadal to come back and actually be really at his best physically. Uh, Djokovic obviously is in superb nick, but he could just be an injury away. I mean, the, the father time catches up, as we know. But uh, of those three, I mean, he's been the most meticulous in his, uh, uh, his, his cut so uh, lean. He covers the ground. He's an elastic sort of rubber band out there. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's so, um, so tough to uh, manoeuvre from the baseline. Uh, but, you know, the young bucks have not just coming, they've arrived. I mean, not only Carlos, but Holger Runa and Yannick Sinner, the other two young members of the top ten. So they're, they're ready. Uh, the, the other, Yannick will get his time, and uh, Holger's already showing the signs that he could maybe follow in Carlos's footsteps quite quickly in the next 12 to 18 months. Uh, but I think, you know, certainly he, he had to cash in this year and next year uh, to get some separation on the Dale. I mean, the Dale mightn't come back, um, you know, even if Novak claims one more. You know, he's going to be, what, two or three clear of the Dale in terms of the records. But, yeah, the, the reality is they're going to become harder to win now. Uh, he's going to have to work pretty hard, particularly if it's Elcarez. If these if these two go head to head in a few more finals, Mark uh, Elcarez knows he's he's got one up at Wimbledon, and he can he can certainly take uh, you know, the Djokovic scalp. He's got that self belief. I got the feeling that it was important for the co uh, for the sport as well that someone took it from him, as opposed to he just rode off into the sunset. Um, at some stage, so to me, this was a, a and this is not to diminish what. 
Djokovic has done. Mm. He ha- he has a, a a right to claim you know greatest of all time status now, but it, it felt like it was important for tennis for someone young to come along and take something from him, as opposed to him just fade away um, as while he was still on top of the pile. Yeah, spot on, absolutely spot on, and. Uh, you know, I love these, uh, and we've seen it through the years of tennis. You know, the the cross generation battles as uh, the, the champions fading and the and the young man's uh, rising. It's a bit like when, a bit like when a young Roger Federer knocked over, you know, Pete Sampras. Uh, as Sampras was getting towards uh, the end, but Roger took that, you know, took that mantle off him, um, and then went on in the rest of his history. So, yeah, I mean, tennis has had a history of just one era replacing another, and I, I love it when, yeah, they collide and. And the the champion is he, still at their best or close to, and, and the young guy, um, you know, is just playing sort of fearless tennis, respecting the resume at the other end, but just going out and playing their game. And I think this generation, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they capture the imagination of the public, like Federer and Nadal, who you know obviously the public have loved. Djokovic came in as the villain. You might have Alcaraz. I think we'll just his popularity around the world. Everyone will love this guy. He's already got a fan base around the world. Runa's a little bit different. You know, he's a little, there's a little bit of the Djokovic. He's a little bit of the villain in a sense, but you know, he's he's, a, he's got a bit of he's got something else about him. Different personality. Alcaraz and Sinner's a really quiet one. Um, I mean, Darren Darren Cale, I think, is going to do a good job sort of getting him out of his shell. Because uh, he, he's got to get that sort of little bit of personality to match these other two, so yeah, it's 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 a good time. He's got to get some muscles on the bones as well. He looks like a twelve-year-old yet. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a great shot maker though, isn't he? And the, that yeah. that contrast between the three, I'm I'm hoping that um, it doesn't turn into one of those eras where um, you've got Alcaraz and then Sinner and and Rune can't quite. Um, match that because if if they can prove themselves to be Grand Slam winners as well, we're going to have another year where there's three great players and and they you know they battle off with each other. So fingers crossed for that. Um, Marketa von Druseva, that's a that's an incredible win given what she's been through since she won her first WTA title at 17. Yeah, when we think back, you know, I remember being at being at the French Open when Ash won and. Uh, it was, you know, I mean, that, that was, she was a surprise finalist at 19 that year, and it was a, a very one-sided final, a bit underwhelming. And uh, since then, she struggled through COVID, had some injuries, always talented. I mean, the Czech Republic, 9 million people, I just keep producing, you know, terrific female tennis players in particular. And we think back to Kvitova as another lefty, won Wimbledon twice, and there's been plenty of others who have been really successful on the tour. And, yeah, 12 months ago, you know, had the, the wrist in plaster. She was there as a tourist, uh, supporting a couple of uh, Czech uh, friends. And she got married, I think, in the same month, uh, July last year. Uh, your wrist surgery, the wrist, you know, was sent to derail a few careers, certainly in tennis. And uh, didn't like grass. I think she was 2-10, uh, win-loss on grass coming into this season. Uh, but the lefties are difficult to play um, on any surface, for that matter. But, yeah, she was just a beautiful blend of some power and touch. And sometimes you just go on a run. And the confidence builds, and she kept taking it seed after seed after seed. And the, the, the hand on heart, the sentimental favourite was Om Shabir on the weekend. I mean, she's just a beautiful player to watch. Uh, the Minister for Happiness. I mean, she does it with a smile like Carlos. <laughs> Uh, but the, the, you know, she just let the opportunity slip. She was a break-up in both sets. Uh, just got tied on some points, missed a few balls, not by much, 
enough in the final to sway it to your opposition player. And, yeah, Vondrosova today is number 10 in the world. Now, I don't know whether she can replicate that. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. The women's game throws up. It's been throwing up so many different champions, Mark, in the last few years that you just can't quite see the trajectory of where some will go. And there's, there'll be someone else that might win another slam in the next 12 to 18 months that you can't predict a run from. But that's the evenness. It's you know, unseated, yes, but she's, you know, we knew coming in she was much more talented than uh, 42 in the world. But, yeah, it was a great win. She's got a lot of game for a person that's only won two um, titles now, Brett, hasn't she? Like she, she does remind me of Kvitova, the way she plays. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, that's that sort of that fine margin of... Because, uh, you know, I've always loved watching Petra play, but, you know, she's such an offensive player. Like, when it's on, it's on. And But there's been a lot of players like that who have this offensive mindset and, you know, trying to get that balance, that controlled aggression... Uh, and, you know, you're playing close to the lines, the margins are small, um, but that's the way you like to play. You like to take the game on and try and win the game rather than just sort of be a bit of a counter-puncher or, you know, wanting, um, hoping your opposition player is going to make mistakes. And, yeah, she's, uh, she's great, particularly. I mean, you've got you to get forward, you know, on, on, in, in women's tennis in general. I think the pattern in women's tennis is changing. You know, there's, there's not as much of the sort of up and down baseline type play. I think a lot of the coaches now are saying, look, you know, you've got to get, get in there. You know, use your hands, you know, use the angles, uh, just change the course, get your, get your opposition play a little uncomfortable. And you know, a lot of the players have been brought up just hit balls, hit balls, deep, deep, on, on, you know, the net's so foreign to them. But, you know, things are certainly changing in the women's game. Do we have Ash Barty to thank for that, the variety of shot and, uh, you yeah. know, sort of, breaking down the metronomic styles of other other top players? Well, I'm sure it's had some impact, uh, no doubt. I mean, that's the great part about tennis, that, you know, so many different so many different sizes, shapes and sizes, and so many styles can win uh, tennis matches. But, you know, those who have got the smarts, and that's where Elker is. I mean, his use of the drop shot in particular is just brilliant. I mean, got, that's a tough shot. Not everyone can execute it so finely, but... He does it to such precision. He gets that backspin really, really tough. Tough to read that he's going to play that shot. Uh, and then he can just, with that forehand, I mean, I think um, during the tournament, it was up over, a, you know, 160, 170 kilometres an hour. Like when he'd roll the wrist over that forehand, it was devastating. And then he's got that beautiful guile and touch as well. So that's what you've got to have. You've got to be unpredictable and... Yeah, it can. You know, it certainly sets you apart from a lot of the players who play, you know, in a fairly similar manner. Brett, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on the new Wimbledon champs with us. And uh, I think it's a it's a good thing for the sport. And hopefully, there's a new generation of stars coming through. Brilliant to talk to you today. Thank you, Mark. Pleasure. Brett Phillips, he's from the First Serve, SEN Tennis and AFL Nation. His thoughts on the Wimbledon final last night with Carlos Elcaraz, Elcaraz beating Novak Djokovic and, of course, Marketa Von Drusova uh, triumphing over Ange Jabeur on Saturday night. We'll be back after the break.